Today's episode of the two-man power trip of wrestling is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee, a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students at Boston's Northeastern University. Today, the company is on a mission to get people energized with tasty caffeinated snacks. Every Eat Your Coffee bar is caffeinated with fair trade coffee, comparable to one cup, and is made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. And as always, energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Van the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again i appreciate you asking me back so you said you were going to pinch yourself i didn't know it was that kind of show now i mean if you guys are in the privacy of your own home if you want to do these things good how you doing chad hey johnny cool man what's going on we're ready to go or what uh, hey man what's up guys this is homicide oh that's my homie homicide with a big homie club yeah that would be it hey this is david penzer and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. Is so, he's so focused and he's so driven, and that's what he brings to these guys. Is a focus. Oh! Sidestepped him and then just cross faced him down. Big elbow by Rodney Mack, followed up by yet another, and this man is on a mission here tonight. Gives him a direction, gives him a purpose, but I don't agree with this whole psychology or, you know, his belief system. But it works, and the, that's all that matters. The Two. impact and, and the tension. And you're right, Al. Rodney Mack came to play here tonight, and now shaking, shaking, shaking like they do back home. So impressive out here tonight. This is the two-man power to the wrestling brought to you today, empowered by our sponsors, Eat Your Coffee. Stay tuned a little bit later on in the show and hear more about Eat Your Coffee and how you can energize the moment with an Eat Your Coffee coffee bar. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I'm joined by my tag team partner here on the two-man power trip, the one and only JP John Paz. And John, to come a little bit later on as we roll into an interview 
with the man known as Red Dog, with the man who was a part of the Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprise. He is the one and only Rodney Mack joining today's program. And when I think about Rodney Mack, I think about a guy who we always heard about on the independent scene in the late 90s into the early 2000s. And before we really got a chance to see what was going on in WWE developmental, it was the name Red Dog that we constantly read about and were waiting in anticipation for him to hit that main roster, which he would end up doing in 2002. And we'll get to that in this interview. But yeah, Rodney Mack, what a great interview we've got here in store for you. We think about Rodney Mack, obviously he's married to Jazz, and Jazz is having a little bit of a renaissance herself as the NWA Women's Champion. But what a formidable duo, and kind of a, uh, a duo that you wouldn't want to get into a fender bender with, because God knows how you're going to come out looking on the other side of that endeavor. But Rodney Mack still doing his thing out there in the uh, the wild, out there in professional wrestling. But I think one thing we'll really target is his run in the WWE, which took place for the better half of the early part of the 2000s, from about 2002 to 2004, and then also returning in 2006 and into 2007. And Rodney Mack being paired with Teddy Long kind of got Teddy Long his biggest push to date in the WWE, which would kind of catapult him into becoming the general manager of SmackDown and then being the lovable character that we know Teddy Long to be, but it was the White Boy Challenge, it was the Thuggin' and Buggin' Enterprises stable with Rodney Mack, with Jazz, with Mark Henry, with D'Lo Brown, and even a little side partner there in Christopher Nowinski, but this little group kind of put together to be on the Sunday Night Heat portions of WWE and also be on the Raw brand at the time as the brand extension was starting to kind of uh, get into its own rhythm. It was pretty cool to see, and I think the highlight of Rodney Mack's run would be his huge loss to Goldberg, and it was one of Goldberg's first real television matches that he had in the WWE, and although it was a short match itself, it did a lot to help him propel Goldberg back into the mainstream spotlight, and uh, Goldberg stepping up and taking on that uh, white boy challenge, which I wonder if we could really uh, have the white boy challenge now in 2018. I'm not sure if that would really go over uh, very well. But if you think about his career, you think back to Junkyard Dog being the trainer of Rodney Mack, and we'll hear about that in this program as well, as all of the other great things that Rodney Mack has done, and he's got in store for you coming down the pike. He's still uh, quite the specimen, so look for Rodney Mack if he's ever coming back towards uh, your area. But before we throw it over to the interview, I want to thank Rodney Mack for taking the time to chat with John on this episode and uh, continue to uh, bring you these quality interviews that we've got here on the two-man power trip every week. And if you know our schedule, we know we kind of flipped it this week. So if you're listening to us in uh, downloaded real time, usually you'd hear the Triple Threat podcast around this time of the week. But we had to switch it up a little bit uh, just for this week's programming. But hey, that's what it's all about. Sometimes you never know in the podcasting world what's going to happen next. So hope you enjoy Today's episode with Rodney Max, and we will see you on the flip side. We will see you on the Triple Threat podcast and continue to please, like we talked about on our last episode, check out the Markout at the Meadowlands convention. We had a great response following our episode with Bob Roop last week. It's matmcon.com, and we're going to have a cool little bumper coming to you very soon about Markout at the Meadowlands, as well as TMPT Con 3 coming to Richmond, Virginia on May 9th, excuse me, May 18th, May 19th was last year's date, on May 18th, 
with Jim Cornette. And we're going to have some really cool production coming your way so we can help you remember that. And you can also join us, which is the most important thing and what we really want you to do. So with all that being said, let's wrap it up in a nice little package. Let's get on the road and let's do a little thugging and bugging. Let's get it on over to the man, Rodney Mack. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Rasslin Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, a man who is known as the Red Dog, and also a former WWE superstar. He was also an OVW World Tag Team Champion. He is the one and only Rodney Mack. Please enjoy. The Mac Militant coming to get it all. Uh, uh, uh. Yeah, get out of my way. I'm coming to thunder and lightning and striking. I'm inviting you all to the storm. Feel the pain that I try to contain. My heart is black with the blood in my veins, and I'm coming to get it all. And your heart break and smash and straight whip ass. I can see the fear in your eyes every time that I pass. I'm intimidating the most and fear by many. But don't trip me. I leave the place empty. Simply. You get me? I'm low down, pretty and shifty. I'm low down, people against me. Even the best be afraid, cause I approach it aggressively. Especially when they roll up and test me. Yo, so I'm a disciplined, militant mind. Slash time. If you look for a style like mine, you can't find it. Call me the M to the ACK. I break rules if you wanna come and make my day. Now say, hey, get out of my way. I'm coming to thunder and lightning and striking. I'm inviting you all to the storm. Feel the pain that I'm trying to contain. My heart is black as the blood in my veins, and I'm coming to get it. Right. Joining us on the line right now is a former WWE superstar. He is a former OVW World Tag Team Champion. You may know him as Red Dog, but we know him as the Mac Militant. Rodney Mac, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Thank you, guys. Yes, thanks for having me, man. It's awesome to have you on. And I think first and foremost, I just want to kind of see... Where you are, in, in, I know we see you on the independent team and stuff, but what are you doing right now? Like, what is the old Maxter up to? Oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm still at it, man. Uh, actually, now, um, to be honest with you, man, I feel like I'm in the, one of the best shapes that I've ever been in in my life. My body's uh, healed up. Uh, I feel really great, man, with working out and, uh, you know, doing our thing. Uh, Still wrestling and uh, just just out there doing it, man. 
Now, what's it like? Obviously, when you started, it was in the late 90s, and the independent scene was completely different, although it was pretty hot then. What's the independent scene like today? Is it a complete 180 from when you started? Well, yes, as far as, yeah, uh, you know, as far as the styles and whatnot, um, uh, I, I guess you say it is. Uh, you know, uh, outside of that, I mean, just the way just the way things are ran in general and, uh, you know, the way the business has evolved. It has definitely changed big time, and there's a lot more, I don't know how to say it. it's a lot more, like you said, almost uh, differentiating styles, and it's a lot different of a wrestling business as far as the in-ring works and a lot of that stuff. But it seems like less and less people are kind of watching WWE, but it seems like more and more fans are kind of clamoring for something different. What do you think about the independent scene and these fans that seem to be clamoring for something that isn't WWE? Well, you know, we all have our outlook on things, and um, I, I think that um, the the reason for that, I mean, everything everything changes. Nothing stays the same. But I think what's happening with wrestling and uh, of course, I'm biased to this, and it, once again, it's just my opinion. But there was more storytelling, old school. So you know, it's a lot. And once again, it's my point of view. It, it's a lot easier to captivate a crowd and also hold them there if you're telling a story. Uh, to me, the wrestling nowadays, there, there is no storytelling. There's no working about it part. And it is what it is. It's just two guys getting in there, and when they hear the bell ring, they go at it. Um, and 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 it's it, it's not a it's not a mano y mano thing. It's more of a damn uh, I don't know uh, ballet, a uh, gymnastic, or uh, who can jump and and flip and run and, and hit the ropes the most. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, <laughs> it's not about wrestling. That's not wrestling, you know. I don't care what style it is. That's not wrestling. There is a lack of storytelling. That is uh, for sure. It does be included, of course. I mean, it's big well, lack of storytelling, and there's no right. psychology anymore, right? That's what I'm saying. Yes, right. And any wrestling on any level, any real wrestling, Greco-Roman wrestling or whatnot, they teach you in school. There's a there's there's a way you do things. You don't just line up and shake the guy's hand and go at it. Well, you can, but nine times out of ten, you won't be very successful. You do your homework. Even though it's high school, you study the guy that you're going to wrestle. You know this guy can't move laterally, so you work on, you know, you take down sweeping the legs, or you know this guy is weak, so you can maybe grab him and do head tosses, or, you know, whatever it is. But you have to do your homework, and there's a there's an art and, and a order to everything, but I don't see that in, in, in the business now. And I'm not trying to be, uh, you know, a lot of guys call it being bitter or mad or, you know, I'm not bitter one bit. I'm, I'm, I'm quite contented where I'm at and my skills and, and, you know, how I can maintain myself in the ring. I'm not mad at all. We're just talking about, I guess, apples and oranges. Hey, you're just calling it like it is. It's That's what I'm saying. I'm just calling it like I see it. I've been wrestling since the age of eight years old, and we've never, at any form, any level of wrestling, I was taught to jump, skip, hop, or do any of that over anybody. <laughs> I'm just hmm. saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. 
some of these contests don't seem like they're wrestling or, or per se a real fight. You know, right with your pro wrestler, you kind of want to make it look somewhat real or somewhat. Right, cool. and, and that's the whole thing, man. You know, we're not here. We we know the business is a work, but it does say professional wrestling, and that's what I'm getting at. There's no, there's no foundation anymore. You know, back in the day, anybody and everybody had a wrestling foundation, some type of way. You know, you didn't have to look it up. You could see they knew how to, they knew how to wrestle, and that's just my point. Nowadays, no one really knows how to wrestle. They can call spots and try and being, um, you know, whatever. But, again, that's why I think the wrestling fans are looking for something different because that's not wrestling. Yep, I totally agree. They're definitely clamoring for something. And I love your old-school mentality, and I got to know this. Did you get that old-school mentality? Did you get that old-school flavor from good old JYD, the junkyard dog? Um, You know, I want to say, I'm, by any means, I'm not going to take anything away from it, but I think that's just my era. That's who I am. That's that's what I grew up watching, and that's really who I am. I love to fight. I love competition. I love to compete. I love, you know, gritting it out. I love grinding it out. I love everything about wrestling, hard work, sweat, getting down, grind, you know. I, I love that type of stuff. And uh, still to this day, Every morning when we get up, and, I send, and, and Jazz and I send the girls off to school, the first thing we do is pop, you know, put it on YouTube and watch. We we, we, don't, we watch Stan Hansen versus Van Vader. We watch mm-hmm. Dr. Death versus Stan. You know, war, wrestling. And that, this we, we still watch today. We always have. I, no disrespect to the, to the product nowadays, but I just can't get into it. I mean, I, you know. And I, I can't. I can't watch it for long. It doesn't hold my interest. Uh, you're, you're definitely not alone there. There are so many fans <laughs> out there. I love that you mentioned Hanson, Vader, and Dr. Destiny Williams. Those are three of my favorites. Those guys are legit guys, and they look like they were really in a fight and really killing each other. No, well, because, yeah, I mean, in the words of JR, it wasn't bad. These guys were... Man, it's, it's pro wrestling. You guys beat the shit out of each other. And I was very fortunate that I had an opportunity to come up in that era, to know what it was like to get in there with Terry Gordon, to get in there with Dr. Dead, Rugged Rod Price. You know, it wasn't, no, you better have it on your mind, bro, and you're going to have it on your mind after the match is over with. <laughs> yeah. That is great too, and, and Rod Price is one of those underrated names. And obviously- he's very underrated, and he's my he's my hero of professional wrestling. I've been taught and learned by hundreds. Uh, uh, I've learned stuff and been taught by hundreds of guys in the business. But I give ninety eight percent of everything I learned from Rod Price. The rest of the guys just kind of reiterated what he had already taught me. The guys, yeah, I can't say enough about it. Inside the ring, outside the ring, but. He's a genius. What are some lessons and, and some of the things that he taught you about the wrestling business? Well, um, you know, a, a lot of my stuff was, was hands-on. Um, so I kind of learned on the fly. But a, a lot of the stuff was just uh, that it, this was, it, it was going to be physical. It was going to be real. And I, I didn't call. You know, we, weren't, we had two locker rooms. So we didn't get a chance to talk. To our opponents, when I broke in, you know, um, uh, the 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 finish was called in by by Scandal Agbar, 
most of the time he, you know, ran, ran, had the finishes, and uh, he'd call the finishes in, and that's all he knew. And I'd be, man, shaking in my, you know, boots, and I'm like, well, what, well, what the hell do I do? And they just laugh at me and go, well, you know how to wrestle, and uh, you know. But basically, what I had to learn how to call it in the ring and be a real professional wrestler. There was really no tricks or none of those secrets. He just took me on the road and got me booked and told me what to do and what not to do, you know, as far as the locker room etiquette, which was to go in there and shake hands and, and, and introduce yourself and afterwards sit down and be quiet, you know. And, uh, you know, just things like that. And Skandar Akbar, another great underrated name kind of thrown out there that you get to go into the learning tree of somebody like that who had a a huge impact in a lot of different territories, including Mid-South and obviously world-class. Right, yes. Akbar was just, uh, he was amazing, man. Up until the time he left us, he was still, had more heat than anybody I've ever seen. Such a great kind of underrated manager. I mean, he was a a big part of a lot of things, definitely in those territory days. And it's interesting that, you know, he kind of was still doing his thing and basically when you were coming up in the Texas scene. So what kind of was that whole scene like as you're coming up? You're kind of painting the picture very old school in a lot of ways. Uh, yeah, well, like I said, I, I was very fortunate when I was coming in, man. Uh, that that still, I, I had a chance to work with uh, Agbar, uh, Rod Price, One Man Gang, Terry Gordy, Jake Roberts, uh, Sam Houston. Uh, you know, guys from that world class uh, with Maniac Mike Davis, Iceman, uh, Gary Gary Hart. I was fortunate to be a man, to to have Gary Hart manage me. Uh, for a while, and also feud against Iceman and Iceman King Parsons management as well. So, um, man, I can't. Yes, Chris Adams. Oh, uh, gosh, man. I, yeah, I, I was very fortunate. And, and once again, uh, man, I, all all I could tell you is uh, what I remember is just sitting in the back, being mesmerized, and sitting in a chair and just shutting up and watching those guys you know, get ready and work out and, and stretch and get ready for a match. Uh, there was never just any talking. And if it was talking, it was if it was a story they were telling about a road trip or something. You know, they never really talked about the matches or anything. And uh, it was just so – I can remember just when it was game time, you know, one man game would he'd be sitting in the middle of a conversation with the uh, Agbar and then when it did, you know, when it was his turn, man, it was just like a light switch. He hit that switch, and then all hell would break loose. Uh, it was, you know, those guys were real true professionals, and uh, you know, I was, am so very fortunate to be have, to to come up in that in that era, the end of it. Man, those are some great names that you just mentioned too, Kevin. Who's who of just great pieces of talent in the wrestling business? I love that you kind of were able to learn from those guys and, and pick them apart. So how did you actually kind of get to that situation? How did you get into wrestling? Well, first of all, it was always a long – I just knew, man, as a child, as, as a kid, I was going to be a pro wrestler. Nobody could tell me the difference. I always tell this story about uh, 
my I have a younger brother who's four years younger than I am. And uh, of course, once again, I'm I'm four years old. My mother's pregnant in labor with my with my brother, and my dad and I dropped my mom off to the hospital for her to have the baby, and we went on to watch Andre the Giant in the handicap match down the street. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's the true story. <laughs> yes, yeah, sir. But I, and that's my dad. I give him all the credit. He always, you know, I I was always watching wrestling right there with him, you know. Um, and just one thing led to another. I always knew I was going to be a pro wrestler. And uh, after finishing my college days of football, I ran and uh, I was at the Walmart in uh, Arkansas, Monticello, Arkansas. And I went in there for something, and I saw JYD taking, uh, you know, was doing autographs or whatnot. And so he called me over there and asked me, was I interested in playing in a in wrestling, and I, you know, told him it was a lifelong dream of mine and whatnot. And uh, he gave me a card, but um, two or three days later, um, it, it was around the holidays, and I went back home to Louisiana for the Christmas break, and I ran into him again. And just so happened he was living here in Louisiana in Lafayette. And uh, one thing led to another, man. So I, I went down there, and, you know, went back home and started training with him, and. Uh, you know, here we are. Wow, talking about fate. Not only do you run into him once in a sun, you run into him kind of uh, in his home turf, in his, uh, you know, in his kind of glory. Right. You know, well, well I mean, exactly. And who didn't – I mean, he was – there's stories of me in the first grade running around on on the campus, head-butting kids, saying I was the junkyard dog. And yeah, <laughs> the, the, the funny thing about that is I was born and raised on a pit bull farm. We've had hundreds of dogs, pit bulls, and so I've always was. That was just me, you know, as a kid. Um, I would I would be outside playing with the dogs, actually in the dog cage with the mama dog and the pups, and my mom's looking for me. My dad, you know, they came climbing. Here I am in, in the dog cage. But <laughs> so I run it, yes. And then here it is, years later, I run in the dog, and then the story, you know, him being my uncle. Well, like you said, his stomping grounds was Lafayette and, well, you know, the Louisiana area. Well, I didn't know that he he and one of my mother's sisters, you know, kind of fooled around. So, yeah, that that was one heck of a coincidence with he and I. So wow. that's how I came to, the, yeah, I started off as the uh, the J.Y. Pup, and then I graduated, graduated and grew up into a red dog. Yeah. That is that is awesome because I mean obviously he's one of the best and he's one of the most famous wrestlers of all time and dominated the mid south territory WWF he had, he had a great run pretty much a great run everywhere he went but that's yes, great yeah. you have some ties to him as well as far as, our, as far as family like too which is pretty awesome yes sir yeah that's just uh, that man it was written that way man I'm just lucky I'm living a dream man yes sir. Yeah, now, as you're kind of going along here, you know, you're training with JYD, you're getting a little bit of life lessons from Scanner Akbar and, you know, Maniac Mike Davis and, you know, and all these guys in One Man Gang and Jake, I mean, all these great guys and great names. How do you end up kind of on WWE's radar? Is that because you ended up in ECW and they saw you in ECW? Like, How, how did that work? Well, that's uh, that was, you know, one of the stops. Uh, Rod, Rod Price got us to try out down in Alabama with uh, 
ECW probably six to eight months that we were in the business total from training to whatever. We hadn't been in the business maybe six to eight months. But uh, we've got to try it, and we did pretty good. And, uh, you know, um, pretty much I guess it stems from there, you know, where it really started. And then also b- b- before I got to the to the ECW trials, we did work the Texas area, and uh, I worked for NWA Southwest, Ken Taylor. And at the time, WWE would come down and get some local guys. And uh, I happened to be, you know, lucky enough to be one of the chosen guys. I was pretty hot very very early in my career when I started. And uh, every time they came around, I got a chance to work for for WWE. And that was before I went to ECW. If I'm not mistaken, a few months. Yeah, it was a few tryouts with WWE, WWF. And then uh, I went on to ECW for a while and then came back to Texas wrestling where uh, I think maybe a year later we got pulled up, which I I, I need to say that Paulie talked for Jazz and I at the time. That's when the merger, you know, said we're not. And uh, Paulie spoke for us. But, of course, we, we had also been in uh, – OVW for a while. Yes, you you do make a stop, obviously, in OVW. As far as ECW, I don't want to cut skip of that too much because Rod Price obviously was in ECW for a little bit because you guys a tryout, and you kind of have a little bit of a run there. Did you expect to be signed to ECW long-term, or did you know there was only kind of a, a pit stop as you were kind well, of moving along? To, to be honest with you, man, I, I was never a guy that uh, – wanted to wrestle for any particular company, if you know what I mean. Like, I know this sounds crazy, but everybody wants to wrestle for WWF, WWE, sure. I didn't necessarily have a particular company. I just wanted to make a living doing my passion and what I love to do, which was pro wrestling. And I didn't care if it was for ABC, XYZ, you know. long as I was in that ring, being able to make a living doing what I love, I was happy. So... You know, that really wasn't a – ECW was, was, was fine with me. I, I was set – I had them pinned my ears back and was, like, going to make, make it my business to, you know, to be the best that I could there and the best over – you know, the best on the card there as well. And you – you know, you kind of with the Baldies a little bit. Um, you know, you get in there with Carino and Kid Cash and Paul Mahoney kind of, um, you know, trade wins and losses and different things like that. Were you happy with your time in ECW overall? Oh, very much, because it was a great learning experience for me. And seeing that, and that right there was a very much of a transition in styles and, and whatnot, because once again, I went from calling it in the ring on the fly, you know, out there, and then, then in ECW, we had, you know, it was a total different style. You know, you got guys flying and, and calling spots and yeah, fifteen minutes plus. I mean, fuck. <laughs> yeah. So once I settled in and doing, and, and you know, so I mean, that was things we had to do in order to work there. Uh, but yeah, once I got a little comfortable with that, I, I started feeling like I was finding myself not just in ECW, but just in the business, you know, as a whole. Because once you've been there, you, you've seen every style. It pretty much was. 
I mean, because it, it, it was it was from brawling to hardcore to lucha to to whatever, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> Don't die. so there was a little bit of everything. Yeah, ECW had it all. I mean, they had all those yeah. different guys. There were variation styles. Sometimes the clash of styles where they had those kind of different styles in the same match. Yeah. But after you're kind of, you know, done with ECW, you're kind of moving along. How do you, <coughs> oh, excuse me. How do you get on OVW's radar? Is that something Cornette finds you or, or Danny Davis? Uh, well, the deal with that is actually Jazz got a call. Uh to go to WWE and they were going to WWF and uh, they was going to send her, they sent her to OVW for us. Uh, I don't know however long, but while she was there, she come. Matter of fact, I was on a tour in Africa, and when I got back, you know, she she told me that uh, it would be wise for me to come down because she thought I had a good opportunity in OVW, and 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 once again, I was like, ah, that's cool, you know. But I'm kind of happy doing what I'm doing here. Uh, you know, it's all good here. And she's like, no, I'm telling you, you need to come here. So uh, she made some calls. She arranged that. And uh, I think JR and them invited me down or whatnot. And, you know, I went down and uh, watched the show and met Cornette. And Cornette accepted me. Uh, and Danny Davis. And well, I think it took like eight weeks or whatever for them to finish their program. Up and then, you know, within the eight weeks that I was there, then I finally started working with them. And I feel like at that point, OVW, if you kind of go back and look at, maybe not at the time you don't realize it, but looking back, you're like, wow, you know, you got yourself going through there. Uh, Shelton Benjamin is about to come through. Uh, Lesnar, Cena, Orton, Batista. I mean, it's a lot of pretty uh, big names and some great talent that would eventually become. Did you kind of sense that at this point? Like, wow, there's a lot of good talent here at OVW. Oh, yes. And, then, and once again, everyone you just named was already there when I got there. Mm-hmm. So so I was pretty much sitting back scouting these guys out, you know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Randy Orton, Batista, uh, you name it. Uh, they, yeah, they, they were loaded, man. You could tell. I mean, but I... I, I didn't I didn't feel and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to seem like uh you know, Billy Badass or anything, but I really didn't feel uh threatened or or, or worried, you know what I mean? In my position or my abilities. So you weren't you weren't nervous at all or no pressure? No, no, sir, I wasn't. Because I was the product and then I'm not gonna once again, by any means, I'm not trying to say I'm the best thing to slice bread, but I had been around the old school guys and all those names I told you before. Um, these were all veterans, and, and you know, and I had got my ass whipped in school <laughs> by all those veterans, and it was a slower pace and this that you know. And when I got there, I saw I saw great talent and skill, but I also saw a lot of greens. So that that was that was the big thing that I wasn't too worried about. I mean, I, I knew that these guys would be something to reckon with further down the line, but I thought I had a slight advantage, you know, being have worked uh, and coming from where I had come from. Absolutely, the big advantage that's for sure. 
So overall, did you enjoy your time down there in OVW? Obviously, you and Shelton oh. Benjamin as a dog pound or tag champs. Did you have a good time down there? Oh, I had a, I had a great time. I mean, it was family. I, I love all those guys there. We, you know, we were real close. Uh, Jimmy, uh, man, Danny. It was a big one, big family. You know, uh, yeah, it, it, man. I, that's one of the best times I've ever had in the business. We all helped each other. Um, I mean, yeah, it, it was wonderful. So when you're going to be getting a call up to WWE, who kind of alerts you or calls you or tells you? Is it Cornette that says, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, Vince is looking at you," or, or whatever? And they said, "You know, you're about to be called up." How does that whole process work? Man, I kind of <laughs> vaguely remember that. Not being honest with you, the the, the 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 funny thing about that is, you'd always get that call from nowhere, and it would go to Cornette. And what I'm laughing about was it. Cornette would always catch a fit because it would be, it would always screw up his TV. So he really, <laughs> yeah. And boy, he cussed, he cussed out a cussing storm. <laughs> oh my God. So you really never knew, you know, sometimes I guess you, you might have got a hint that you were coming through, but it was usually, it was usually from nowhere. And uh, Cornette would catch a damn fit. And, yeah. That's great. So he basically tells you, you know, Vince called or whoever called. They were scouting you, you know, you start here. Did it, does it give you any more details on kind of your character, your name? Or yeah, no, no, because nine times out of ten they don't know. They just tell them, uh, have such and such ready for TV because a lot of the times, uh, you know, you, you before you get the call back in the day, I, I kind of remember that we used to go on the road for a while. If you roll so how so or whatnot. And they'd be checking you out, and then you know, you know, shortly after, after that. But um, you, you never knew what they were going to do with you, you know, until yep. the very last seconds. And you end up making your debut on SmackDown as Red Dog, who you know we just talked about the great story of kind of becoming the Red Dog based off of JYD, which is awesome. So when you make your debut as Red Dog, they pairing up with John Cena at first. Was that something you thought was a, a good idea? You, you know, did you see Cena becoming a big star? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, Cena always had uh, phenomenal mic skills, and uh, you know, of course, he was good in the ring, but he always had that extra, that extra about him with the mic in his hand. And uh, and like I said, man, everybody we were all family before, you know. And uh, I had traveled with him. Matter of fact, in OVW, he and I refuted with each other. Uh, and and he and I got on the road and started traveling together. Doug Basham, the Basham brothers, and uh, Charlie Austin. We all kind of traveled together, you know, before that. And then so by the time they tagged us up, he and I were pretty, pretty, you know, pretty cool with each other. Did you think it was weird at all that they kind of like quickly moved you to Raw and kind of didn't you didn't really end up teaming with him really that long? I mean, you were with him. It seemed like it was going to go good. The debut yeah. was good. Kind of everything worked out. You beat up Bobby Cannon. You know, did you think that that it was weird that they quickly moved you to Raw and they basically changed your name to Rodney Mack? 
Yeah, you know, I really, I, I don't know what that was about, and, and, and I was always, you know, never did ask too many questions in the business. I just kind of go with the flow. Uh, yeah, John Cena and I flowed really well. We had good chemistry together, and again, we worked each other, worked with each other. I thought we were doing, you know, it, it was going to be something good. But uh, I don't know what or why that came that came about, the deal on uh you know, with the Rodney Mack gimmick. Uh, but I was blessed, and, I mean, I'm happy, you know, I got the opportunity. But uh, I don't really know why that I was called there. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that the role was for someone else. If I'm not, I think it was New Jack. And uh, that didn't work out for whatever reason. And then, uh, you know, Paul E. talked to me. And, uh, you know, next thing I know, I was I was the guy getting the call. Now, you know, they give you the name Rodney Mack. Do you have any input in that? Do they give you a name? I always joke around a lot of the guys saying, is it a name generator? Like, where does, like, the name come from, basically? Like, do they let you pick your own name? Like, where, where well, does that I have, come from? I have no idea what, what the hell Rodney Mack was or no. <laughs> No, I don't know where they got that from. I have no idea. Hey, let's pause for one second to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by our brand new sponsor, Eat Your Coffee. Eat Your Coffee is a coffee company that was founded by coffee-deprived college students that pioneered a new category in caffeinated natural snacks. The company's first product line, Eat Your Coffee Bars, are a date-based snack bar caffeinated with fair trade coffee, which would be comparable to one cup, and made with real ingredients so you can feel good with every energizing bite. Eat Your Coffee snack bars are non-GMO, vegan, gluten-free, kosher, 70% organic, and available in three delicious flavors, including fudgy mocha latte, salted caramel macchiato, and peanut butter mocha, my personal favorite. Now that is an energizing combination because they are on a mission to help get people energized with naturally caffeinated snacks made with real, ethically sourced ingredients. So if you want more information, head on over to www.eatyour.coffee, as well as follow them on Instagram. Follow them on Facebook, follow them on Pinterest, and follow them on Twitter and get all the information on how you can energize the moment with Eat Your Coffee Bars. I love sometimes some of the names I just kind of like throw together they put out there and, and no one ever quite knows where, where it comes from. It's no it's <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you end up with Teddy Long though and I think that was a great pairing, you know, you have the thugging and bugging enterprises, the, the theme music, Teddy's charisma. Teddy is such a great talker. I just, I always like that kind of pairing. Did you like being paired with Te- uh, Teddy Long? Did you feel that that chemistry was good? Oh man, yes, love Teddy. Learned a lot from Teddy. Um, I mean, Teddy was was great to us, and to me, man, he took care of everything from me. He was, you know. All I had to do was show up, man, and, and wrestle. You know, Teddy made sure everything was straight for me, and you know he schooled me on, and he, you know, watched me and made sure I didn't do step on anybody's toes or just do anything, you know, uh, uh, out of line. Yeah, he, he was great. Uh, always uh, the life, the life of the, the party, so to speak. Um, great guy, man. Always loved his theme song or you you got your theme song. I always thought that was a, a great theme and kinda of like perfectly 
fits you guys, and then him coming out with that weird, like, um, pseudo dance, but almost not even a dance, where he's just kind of moving around. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, man, that's what I said. As long as Teddy was alive on TV, I was going to stay alive, because he didn't want to change the song. You know, <laughs> the Hanson song. I was like, well, that's cool, man. He's going to keep me alive. <laughs> yeah. That is that is true. That that is great. Did you like when they did that uh, the white boy challenge or the five minute white boy challenge? That's something that you thought was good, or it was good kind of because it got you on TV and it kind of showcased you. Yeah, and and since you know it did, now I'm grateful for it. But um, at the same time, it you know it showcased me and it didn't. I just was running through guys, uh, you know. And, it, I mean, it showed that side of me. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I mean, everybody, well, not everybody does, I guess, but I'd like to show the world that I could work a lot more and have better opportunities with no disrespect to the guys in the white boy challenge. But I'd like to have showed the world what I could do in the ring with top-level guys, you know, the songs, yeah. or just, just whoever, you know, the, the uh, and, and I, I did in, in the house shows and whatnot, but it wasn't on TV. So basically, too many squashes, and you're not able to show what you can do in the ring and your true talent. Well, I mean, it, it, it would have been fine had it, had we continued, you know. But then that, that happened when it, you know they let they released Jazz and I, and then so I wasn't able to continue that. But that was fine, I think. To, to showcase me and whatnot, bring him back, you know, on TV. But after that, and I, you know, I know for sure had they put me in the ring with guys that meant something to the people, you know, then I could I could have really, I could have really got more heat, and I could have really showed them what I, you know, what I could do. And I do remember. At MSG, Goldberg kind of squashes you. He was like the one, I guess, that kind of ended the white boy challenge. Did you feel that maybe it should have been, you know, maybe a longer match or not a squash or something to kind of, you know, put the shine on you a little bit, but also make Goldberg look good without him just squashing? Right, and and I have no problem, man, with with that in in, in a sense because, you know, the, the the guys did it for me, the white boy challenge. But once again, I just would. I, and I, I say that to anybody. I know I could have brought the wood to Goldberg and we could have sold some tickets. Because I ain't scared of I ain't scared of nobody. And he wasn't gonna, you know. And I love Bill to death, but he, he wasn't gonna get me. And you know, I, I ain't the one. So we it'd have been some it'd have been some meat chopping that mug, and we'd have sold some tickets. And I just think a lot of people got cheated out of that, including me and him. Uh, and he's not the only one, you know. If they'd have given me a chance, I would have shown, and I think that's really why they didn't, because I would have showed them that why I was there. You know, I ain't, I ain't talking like I'm the baddest thing walking, but or, or I'm the man. But I always tell somebody when you do find the man, tell him I'm looking for him, and you can give him my number. <laughs> that's how I feel about it. Yeah, you definitely got to back the Mac uh, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, for sure, I would but, say. But, yeah, all I wanted was a chance like everybody else. That's it. Now, you did kind of do, before, obviously, for the release and everything, you did kind of do that held down by the man gimmick and that whole thing, and then, then they pair you with Kristen Winsky, and then you still kind of stay in your held down by the man. 
Did you like that gimmick? Well, I have no idea. And somebody was on some good shit because that I still didn't figure that one up. I mean, I'm supposed yeah. To, yeah, I'm supposed to hate anything white, and they stick me with the whitest thing to stop on. And that's my boy. I love him to death, and we still laugh about that. Like, what the hell was that? I don't know. <laughs> that is true. It's kind of a weird pairing. When they Obviously, when they pair you and Jazz, your wife, I mean, when they pair you guys together, that works. And even when they pair you and Mark Henry together, oh, I felt like I, that really worked. Uh, yeah, I very, I very seldom get a chance to talk about that with Mark because I never have questions that lead up to that or whatnot. But man, that was yeah, that was the time, and I think Mark and I, I know Mark and I would have dominated for a long time. Mark, Jazz, and myself and Teddy. Oh my God, you know, that was the that 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 was the time right there. That is uh, quite the faction. Definitely very, very good. And you and Mark got some big wins. Dudley Boys and, and, and Rosie and Hurricane. And, you know, you guys were getting kind of a, a little push and a couple wins here and there. And it seemed like it was a good pairing. And Teddy, obviously, uh, you know, as the, the mouthpiece, so to speak, was great. Jazz kind of throwing there. Was it yeah. an injury that happened? That day? Yeah, man, that's what that's what it was. Uh, we were, we were uh, unfortunate. I don't know which one got hurt first. It was Mark or Jazz, and then it was Mark then Jazz, or you know Jazz then Mark, and then after then the winds as well, and then myself afterwards. So, yeah, I was the last one, but yeah, each one of those guys kind of got injured. You guys were definitely snake bit there because that that is yeah. one of those things that if injuries didn't happen, maybe they would have done something. Probably you guys win the tag title or something where they give you guys. Well, a we were of- we were actually yeah we were actually the front runners with the tag titles at the time. We, we were in the hunt for it. Matter of fact, we were getting pushed up, yeah. and then uh, like I said, from this damn next they didn't next year. Now that's something that they that they tell you, like, hey, you're you're, you're going to win the tag titles, or is this something you're just kind of assuming or or no, should I mean, have happened? I know, no. I mean, you can feel it. I mean, it was happening. You know, like you said, we had a, some wins over, a few big wins over the top tag teams, and, you know, we were, you know, you, you can tell. I mean, you don't, you, you can't tell that you're going to get them, but you can tell whenever that, that, that possibility is very strong or, or you're a top, you know, top runner. Gotcha. Now, when the release happens, and and you guys get released. Does that come as a shock to you, or were you kind of waiting for it, or, or kind of no. how did that how did that come? I have no idea, and I wish somebody you know would just tell me. I mean, it ain't like I'm gonna you know do some terroristic shit. I just would like to know so I can go to sleep at night. <laughs> what the hell? Because I mean, it, it point blank in my face, it was told you know, and I tell this story for the past twenty years that we had a job for life. We were the, always the first guys to get to the building, the last guys to leave, the hardest working guys. The, everybody liked us. And, you know, we were company people. Shit, I have no idea. One day we had a job for life. The next two weeks later, we fired on the same day. It was my birthday. Yep. Wow, P- pretty ruthless and pretty uh, underhanded of them. Man, well, you know. Is that something Vince tells you or Stephanie? 
No, this bitch ass told me that himself. Oh, wow. Yeah, on my birthday. Well, yeah, this is probably going to be your last match, and uh, we're going to fire you and whatever, whatever. And I'm, I walked over to Jazz. I said, this motherfucker just fired me. Jazz said, well, he probably fired me next. I said, well, you didn't say that. And sure enough. Yeah. But they, I, matter of fact, I was, I was uh, getting ready for Gorilla. To, to, I was about to work around Venus, getting ready to go out. And that wow. bitch, yeah, and he did that. But it's all good. I went out and had a very professional match. With the best I could was there. We did what we always did, and, and I'm happy that I did that for him. Well, now, they don't really give you any reason, but then they bring you back a little bit later, a couple of years later, to the ECW brand. Do they say anything to you, like, why they let you go at, at that point, or they never tell you? No, man. I wish to God I could tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could tell you, damn, I forgot to flush the toilet or something, man. I, I don't know. I have no idea. I know they said they didn't have anything for us. That's what they told us. Well, you don't have to have nothing. All you got to do is ring the bell. Look, yep. I got there. Ruthless business, especially WB and especially Vince, where he just cuts guys and kind of, you know, plays with their plays with it a little bit because it's like, yeah. it's almost like, why would you get released? There's no reason they should have, you know, they should have kept you, but then, you know, then he doesn't tell you, then, you know, you, he basically says you're released, and then you still get a rest of the match. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, told me that right before I went up. So when they bring, you bring you back, and you're in the W brand, and then you get released again, did you kind of expect not to be around that long? Man, yes, because at the time they were, they had done that to a few guys. Cut them, brought them back for a couple of months, a couple of weeks, cut them again. So they they messed me up so bad mentally when they when they did what they did to us the first time. You know, I wouldn't trust them some bitches with a glass of water in the Sahara Desert. <laughs> I swear to God, I wouldn't tell you right now. I would dump it out there if I took a drink. And, yeah, man, they need you, man. You know, people don't understand that. Anybody, once again, will say, oh, they're just, they know, whatever, whatever, they're just mad. And, no, you had to be there, bro. You had to experience this shit. You know, it's some dirty fucking, man. And now with this, like, women's revolution thing, you would think that uh, jazz would kind of fit right in with a lot of the, you know, what they're trying to do, given that it's just such a great women's wrestler. Um, they're kind of uh, presenting the, the women's wrestlers of the past, you know, such as Trish and different girls like this that jazz feuded with and had great matches with. <laughs> so it's kind of funny yeah. that uh, jazz isn't being brought back, right? Well, yeah, it, it is, but to me and her, it's not. We already know what time it is. And, and, and it's, I'm not saying that because it's my wife, but, but yes, again, I am. I know her better than anybody else. Man, Jazz still wrestles circles, blindfolds around them girls they got in the ring now because of the style and the way we were brought up in the business. These people today are not professional wrestlers. 
these are sports entertainment, and that's just the way it is. It that's true. That's what it is, man. You know, it is what it is. You know, hey, don't say nothing. Just, just, just let those, just, just let two of them show up to the building, drop the bags off, and walk to the ring, and don't say a word, and put the cameras on that and watch them go to work. I bet you they can't lock up without asking her, what, what do I do? Uh, take two steps and <laughs> they have to sit down and drink two two pots of coffee and talk about the match before they got in the ring and done something. They got to uh, work out their spots or whatever. Oh, sure. Is, uh... Exactly. Curry grab. Bam. Yep. If yep. you will. It is crazy how that uh, kind of is becoming more and more the norm in the business rather than the old school style of calling it in the ring or the old school style of kind of keeping it a little bit snug or a little bit stiff. Yeah, what happened to those words, snug and stiff? The only thing snug and stiff is them slapping themselves on the on the freaking leg in order to make it look like they, they connect. What kind of shit is that? <laughs> what is that? Hmm. Go to practice, bro. What you need, you know what I mean? Jeez, it's embarrassing. It really is. Now, as we as we start to hit the wind down button, start to wind it down. I'm always curious, especially with with a guy like you that has such a kind of deep history in wrestling business, and then obviously you and JYD uh, have have a big bond, and that's that's pretty damn cool. But what are some of your kind of favorite matches that you've had in your career? Not just WWE. I'm talking about your your whole wrestling career. Right. It's it's, it's hard, man. Once again, because I I love I love. The, the business and I love to wrestle, but you know there's guys with the, the Dan Sevens or Ben Wise, and, and I'm not naming any of these guys because of a level or any company, but these memorable matches and competitions and people that I learned in the ring and that pushed me to my to my limit, you know, uh, Booker T. Um, and I, I wrestled in Africa with a guy named Gama Singh. He's old school WWF. I know you probably know of Gama Singh. Oh, yeah. Yep. Man, yep. we went an hour and 30 minutes. And I don't remember too much, but then we went an hour and 30 minutes. You know, that man took me to school. And we had like six of those matches in the tour, on the tour. So uh, that was very memorable and will always be one of my top matches. Um, or people to work with, or the, the Terry Gordon, man. Um, you know, uh, that's it, Benoit is very yeah. high, very yeah. high up there with me. Benoit and Guerrero. But, yeah, Benoit is probably a number two match that I always remember. One of the all-time greats. Yes, yeah. Well, and I'm remembering those matches, like I said, from, from the level of me learning and being pushed. Pushed physically, mentally, and not, you know, not, you know but not too many people I, I, that's never done that that way. You know, I, I've worked, I, I remember now that the Rey Mysterios or Sabu, New Jack, um, RVD, you know, those guys, and I named them because that's all different styles. And once again, you do in the ring, and these guys, these veterans, I mean, to take it to the deep water. You need to learn something, or you <laughs> you learn something, you quit, or you just continue to get the shit beat out of you. And I will <laughs> find that a lot of too. Yeah, 
you learn. And uh, but yeah, man, I've got a list of them, man. And I, once again, I feel like I'm fortunate to be able to say that. Absolutely. Now, kind of when you look back at your career, and you, know, you just kind of want to sum it up. Obviously, it's not over yet, and you're still wrestling, but. You kind of want to look back and when somebody wants to say, you know, Rodney Mack or Red Dog or something, what do you think is like the stamp you left in the business? Or what do you think is that kind of legacy that you and Jad leave behind as is you kind of came from that old school mentality? Well, I'm glad you said that because that's the first thing that comes to my mind is me and Jad. We, 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 started, we started together. From day one, we came out to, you know, we, we met and trained together. We, we might have had two different routes getting there, but we ended up training with JYD, and our careers started, you know, together. So that's one of the biggest things that, and I, I don't think I know that you can do all the research in the world. There's never been a couple that started from the bottom together like she and I did and got married in the business, you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and did what we did in the ring together as a couple and left the same legacy behind. And that legacy is we keep it real. And that doesn't mean punching people in the face. We real. We, we real people. I think this business is real. And if people say it's not, it's because they have no fucking clue. <laughs> this mm-hmm. business is as real as it gets. This business is real as life. And the business showed me everything about life. But the legacy I would like to leave behind is keeping it real, being a real wrestler, staying true to the business, staying true to the, to the business in the ring, outside the ring, pay fucking fame, you know, keeping it real, everything about it, the psychology in the ring, outside the ring, the way you carry yourself, you know, the different auras of, of being a contender. Of being a, a how to act as a number one contender, as a challenger, how to act as a champion. You know, there's a lot of these things that to this day these guys have no idea. You know, that it's, it's just no boundaries anymore. Because everything is just mixed. And we're trying to leave that behind. We're going to keep it real until we can't anymore. As long as I'm in, I'm just, you know, stay strong with my style, stay strong in who I am and continue to stress these youngsters until I can't come in. <laughs> nice. Uh, I love that. And so uh, well said. Now, where can the fans, if they want to reach you, where can they kind of find you? Like, give give us some plugs for you and, and Jazz and kind of say, you know, maybe some bookings or something you got coming up. Right. Uh, man, email me at uh, book.rodneymack.gmail.com and uh, my Twitter is uh, Rodney underscore Mac and uh, Facebook Rodney Bagno, but um, you know you can message me, man. And uh, we we have Jazz and I go around. We love doing seminars, and uh, you know we we love going to schools, and uh, you know go and check it out and help what help you need. So you know we love to come out to your school. We love to come to your shows. Uh, bookers, we singles tags. We're trying to leave a mark on the business where we already know that, but evidently some people don't, that we are the baddest couple that ever was in the business. And uh, book us, and we'll show you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
awesome, awesome stuff. Thank you so much uh, for coming on with us tonight. And, you know, in, in the future, uh, good luck to you and Jazz, whatever you guys do. And I know you guys are definitely going to keep it real. And I just love that you guys have that history with the JYD. Man, thank you guys for having us, man. And uh, all you fans out there, we love y'all. Thanks for the 20 years of supporting us. And uh, we look forward to another 20 strong because uh, me and Jazz, we, we, we're in the top shape right now and uh, things are rolling. She's on the roll. And, uh, and I'm hunting, baby. The red dog is on the hunt. The hunt is on. Thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.